0: Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church Conway. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be at this morning. Um, growing up, and I think some of you could possibly relate to this, growing up waking my mother from sleep was a life-threatening event. My mom was not easy to wake up, and when you finally did, you felt like you were in danger. Uh, the way that she slept was uh, she, she would put a, a, a pillow, she would sleep with not, a pillow not under her head, but over her face, over her eyes, and her ears, and then she would often put her arm up like this, and so she was kind of cocooned in there. She was, she was all well-still in there, and which makes sense. I mean, uh, because there were five of us kids, I'm sure this is the only respite she got—safety away from us, quiet. And so she would, she would sleep that way. And if you had a, if there was a bump in the night or uh, your tummy didn't feel good, you know, and you, you needed to go get mama, you thought about that long and hard before uh, you went and woke up mama. Because the way it would go, and we joked about this later on, so we all know that we had the same experience. You'd go in there and uh, you'd, you'd start real low. You don't want to, you don't want to scare her. So you're like, mama, you know, like that. And you get a little louder, mama, get a little bit louder, mama she doesn't do anything she doesn't wake up so now you have to make a decision Um, and this is a big decision and, and, and you're going to touch her, right? You're going to try to wake her up in some way. So you real softly, I'm telling you softly, I barely touch that lady's leg, you know. She comes up out of there like somebody stabbed her, reaching for a gun, screaming, who, what, you know, all this kind of stuff. Whatever you were afraid of a moment ago outside of your window, this is this is a lot scarier. So you just, we just learn to deal with it, right? Learn to deal with whatever. She wasn't mean or anything. That's just the way she woke up. She, when she was startled, she just came up and came alive that way. Startling, I think, is something I picked up from her. I'm not really what, I don't think I'm really a fearful person. I'm not afraid of a lot of things besides heights, but I hate being startled. I, I hate it. It wells up within me all sorts of um, embarrassment and anger all mixed together whenever I'm startled. Online, I ask our, our church family I asked the community what are things that startle you and, and this is what you said and some of these had me kind of really laughing um, so everybody this, I think this applies to everybody walking into a spider web walking into a spider that'll startle you that'll startle you real quick especially if it's those garden ones the yellow and black ones you know, that are sitting in the middle ready to, to, to kill your soul um, when someone puts the recliner down and you're not expecting it that'll get you right every time right uh, somebody in your house is a sudden sneezer. Anybody know a sudden sneezer? Just out of nowhere, they, they sound like they're screaming at their, at their air. Um, the statues of children downtown. The statues of children. <laughs> Does that startle anybody? It can. All right, there's some people. Uh, people who stop in roundabouts. That's one. Some of these are very Conway-centric, right? Um, this is a direct quote. I didn't say this, but this one made me laugh. Um, it was hashtag pediatrics. A child tapping on your dairy ear to get your attention because that is the height level that they are at. <laughs> right? Okay. So if you work with children, you know this one. Um, noon on Wednesdays. That's just, that's all it says. Noon on Wednesdays. You know, you know, we're feeling. remember that day not too long ago when we were in an actual tornado watch and it was noon on Wednesday and everybody was like, I don't know. I mean, what do we do? You know, is this a real one or a fake one? You know, it was, it's the way it goes. These are very Conway things. They startle you. They upset you. They make you mad really quick. It's different than being afraid, right? It's, it's a startling And it says a lot about us. I've seen, um, or or like i said, we're going through this series, and today we're going to cap off the first little series. All the way through Luke, we're going to go start to finish through Luke, but we divided it into bite-sized pieces, and we're going to finish the first of those pieces. All three of these pieces have similarities, and we're going to attack them the same way. They are the angel speaking to people, and then we're going to learn from what the angel said. This one, like the first two I said, is the angel announcing something to a group of people. And in all three stories, the people are startled. They're afraid. They're scared at this angel suddenly appearing to them. I think that what happens in not only the dialogue, but also the, the, the force behind the dialogue can really help us today as we approach some of our fears. The, the sort of fears that we brought in here the sort of fears that we are looking at. Let's, that's what we're going to talk about this morning, but let's pray together before we do. God, we brought in fears. We have things that bother us, things that we are worried about. God, I pray today that, that the words spoken so long ago would speak directly to the heart of the issue, those underlying fears that we carry with us, the fears of, of death and separation, the fears of being out of control. God, I pray that we would hear the angel, the words of the angel, do not be afraid. That we would leave here today, not necessarily without things to be afraid of, but God, with a different perspective on those things that try to scare us. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It's not a very long story. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. I'm going to read down through... 20. And I'll admit to you, I have a very hard time reading this passage without slipping into King James, uh, just because that's the way we always hear it, that's the way it is in movies, etc. But I'm going to try, I'm going to try. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says, In the same region shepherds were staying in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel, then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified." But the angel said to them, do, do, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with an angel, with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. And when the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, They reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told." Like I said, you know the story you 've heard this one before it's it 's not new to you Simple storyline there are shepherds out in the middle of the field at nighttime protecting their sheep from lions and and bears and, and bad people those sort of things and and suddenly an angel appears and they are they're afraid. The angel calms them down and says, hey, we've got good news for you. We've got actually some good news to, to share with you. That you, that the baby's born. That the Messiah is here. The thing that you've been waiting on, the thing that you have been hoping for, is here. It's here now, and, and surprise. It's, it's here. It's an exciting feeling. I cannot imagine the excitement, the amazing feeling that would have well, uh, you know welled up in them, that the thing that not only the shepherds but also Zechariah and Mary and and the nation and royalty and religious were all waiting on the final arrival of the Messiah and now the angel is telling them it is here the thing you've wanted the thing you've been waiting on that thing is here just this week my son's birthday uh my son had a, a birthday, and I did what dads do, and I, I cannot tell you why dads do this, but I convinced him that we hadn't bought him anything. And that he was going to go off to school, and, and I just like, you know, we, we haven't bought you anything yet, you're just going to have to wait, we'll, we'll pick something up on the way back from um, work, you know, I, I said stuff like that. He told me later that he didn't believe me until um, his mom uh, agreed with me, and he says, mom doesn't lie like you do, and so uh, so so I was really thinking I wasn't getting anything, you know, and, and I was like, yes, so, you know, I got her involved And so um, that was good and he was ready for school and there was this one thing that he was wanting And he was ready for school And so he's sitting there uh, on the couch um, waiting on me to get ready and, and he's actually on the computer looking at that thing that he wanted, right, you know He wanted it so bad he was waiting for he's hoping all this sort of stuff. We had actually already set that thing up um, around the corner. It was sitting there ready for him, little bow on it, all that stuff. And that really probably is the reason that I always um, lie to him to tell him that we're not getting, because it's that moment when he gets what he wants and he's excited about it, you know? And, and that's sort of like uh, the feeling, um, parents, as we watch this, where he gets what he wants and, and he's hoping for and he's waiting on, that's what they're feeling here. That excitement. Let's run straight to Bethlehem and see this. They left glorifying God. They are extremely excited about everything that they had said because it happened just like they had said. But before they got to that excitement, they had to go through another emotion, a a completely different feeling fear. Fear. Look at verse 9. In verse 9, it says that they were terrified. That the the shepherds were standing there, that they they were greatly terrified. The Greek word there is megaphobia. Megaphobia is the actual Greek behind that. And so you you can easily see what that means. I mean, you can pick that right up. A direct translation would be that they feared a great fear. That, behold, the shepherds feared a great fear. In the King James, it says that they were sore afraid. I like that. I think that's a a cool way to say it. We should bring that back. It's an old English way of saying that um, uh, extremely or very. Uh, The only time I could think of our modern English usage of it is when somebody says that you were sorely missed. You know, when people say that you were sorely missed. It doesn't mean that I was in pain that you were missed. It means that you were extremely, very much missed. I think we should, I think we should start saying that. So when somebody says, you know, hey, how was the online Christmas Eve service? You can say it was sore awesome. That's what you can say. And you can say, have you been to Zateo? It's a sore good coffee shop downtown. And so we should bring that back. Sore. It's extreme. It's massive. It's very, that they were extremely megaphobia afraid. That's the feelings that well up within them. And that's really the topic. That's the idea behind what we're going to talk about today. I want to I want to talk a little bit about fear because all of us deal with fear on some level in different various ways. Baker's Encyclopedia of Psychology and Counseling defines the effects of fear. This is the effect of fear in this way. Fear ranges from uneasiness to abject insecurity with threats to one's physical and or psychological self. Intense fear constricts perception, thinking, and motor processes. The frightened person simultaneously wants to investigate and escape from the threat. This conflict may cause one to freeze or panic. It's interesting to read about fear, but we don't have to because we've all experienced the effects of fear. We've all been in situations where we're afraid or somebody else is afraid and we see the way that that uh, manifests itself. We've seen people act very angry and the reality is that they're very afraid, that there's some sort of underlying fear in that. We've seen people do illogical or inconsistent things. Maybe you've done illogical or inconsistent things out of fear. Like, like the times where you're afraid you're going to lose somebody, and so you push them away. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense, it doesn't compute, but it's what we do when we are afraid. I've met people, I've been in situations where we are afraid of failing, and so we quit. And as a result, we fail. Fear makes us do things we do not want to do. It has these negative, illogical, inconsistent reactions to us. And this is not, this is not the only place in the Bible where the Bible is telling us, do not be afraid. In fact, if you just stick to Luke's words, what Luke wrote in Luke and Acts, there's a number of different situations, like, already the the two stories before this where the angel appears to Zechariah and he tells him same thing do not be afraid when that same angel Gabriel appears to Mary he tells her the same thing do not be afraid in fact I think this is the only phrase in all three of these stories when the angel appears to people he says to all of them do not be afraid in Luke 5 Jesus tells James and John these two brothers do not be afraid and follow me. In Luke chapter 8, he told the synagogue leader, do not be afraid. I will heal your daughter. That's essentially what Jesus would end up saying. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells his followers not to be afraid. Do not be afraid because God cares more for you than than birds or flowers. In both Acts 18 and 27, the Lord tells Paul do not be afraid. Preach the gospel to those who need to hear it. Over and over again, The Bible, particularly in Luke and Acts, but the rest of the whole Bible, there's this constant drumbeat, this constant reminder, this assurance, this command that we ought not to be afraid. I think it repeats itself so often because we are so given to fear. We're so tempted by it. We are so easily afraid. But here specifically, the shepherds are experiencing uh, the most basic of fears. They're startled. They're surprised. They were sore surprised. This would be like if you and I were walking, uh, if we were hiking, or we're walking through the woods and we suddenly come upon a bear. We will be sore afraid. All right? So we are suddenly surprised. We are startled. But I think that even though this is a very basic fear, it's a very basic concept, there's something about it that we all relate to. Whether it's being startled or being absolutely scared out of our minds. There's at least three categories I think that many of us walked into the room today carrying with us. When it comes to fear, maybe you don't feel any of these, but you're watching online, you're here in the room, and you probably have one of these categories of fear. The first one would be the results of fear. You probably have a few things in your past in which you've done something or said something that you're not proud of. You may have said something harsh or mean to a spouse or to a child. A particularly stressful situation at work caused you to say something mean to a coworker or to, to a supervisor or somebody that you supervise and later on as you think about it you're embarrassed because the root of it was fear. That it wasn't actually that you were mad, it was that you were afraid of some sort of result and you carry that around. You don't even want to talk about it right now. You carried it with you in this room. Oftentimes you are carrying it with you it's something that's going on behind your mind uh you know behind your brain as you are talking to the person you don't want to talk about it because of the pain that it causes because of the pain that you caused that's the effect or that's the result of fear a lot of us have that a lot of you have that you're watching online you're right here in this room and you have that you have this thing that happened because you were afraid and yet others have fear of the surroundings. You're looking around and you see what's going on and, and you're beginning to get scared. You see, or you might look around and see the storms of finances, of political unrest, the pandemic, and you feel fear. You can feel yourself... Um, not really able to see clearly through the cloud and all of the information and what's happening and the unknown and and, and the the little bits of fear that are leaked out here or leaked out there or, or, or printed in headlines. All of this is causing you to feel like the ropes that are holding your world together are slipping through your fingers and you don't know whether or not you should cry or fight or run. You're feeling afraid about what's going on around you. In Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, he writes this story in which the disciples of Jesus are in a boat. They're rowing, but they're not making a lot of headway because of the wind and the waves. they're They're not making it very far because the wind was pushing up against their boat, and Jesus was praying. He notices them out there in the middle of this huge lake, but it's so big that they called it a sea. He's out there in this huge lake. See, and he decides to walk out to them, walks on the water. He walks out to them on the water, and they are sore afraid. They're, they're scared. They're, they're, they are scared out of their mind because they think they see a ghost. Jesus tells them to calm down. It's him. It's all right. It's not going to hurt him. Peter says, if it's really you, can I come out? Can I, can I walk on the water there? Can I, can I get out And Jesus says, sure, come on, get out of the boat and walk toward me. And as he was walking toward him, the Bible says that Peter, uh, you know, he took his eyes off Jesus. He looks around and he sees the wind and the waves and he gets scared. He gets afraid. He gets megaphobia and he begins to sink. Jesus helps him out and gets him back in the water. And that's what we do. That's the exact same thing that we do. All of this stuff in our life. It sounds like a wind so loud that you cannot think. It sounds like waves so big that they will swallow us up. If one more headline says something bad, it's just going to completely swallow you up and it is justifiable. It's logical that we would be afraid of that. We have these effects of fear, things that we've done. We've had these circumstances of fear. And yet the others... You, you, you're not so afraid of the past. You're not really all worried about right now, but you are a little bit worried if you were honest about the future. You're looking at things and you're not sure about how things are going to turn out. I've had several of you tell me that you're afraid you're going to lose your job because of economic downturn, different situations. You're afraid you're going to lose your job. Some of you are afraid you're not going to pass a class because all of a sudden, everything changed. The, the requirements changed. The expectations changed. The resources were less, but the expectations were greater. And you're afraid you're not going to pass a class. There are many who are watching online right now, maybe not many, but a handful of people that are watching online right now that are waiting to find out if a test result is going to be positive or negative, and how's that going to affect Christmas? How's that going to affect things? Are they at high risk? All of that. All of these things, you're afraid of the future, and you're afraid of what might happen. We do that. And if, if I'm honest with you, I do that. Not, I'm not proud of it, but a lot of times when I'm like in my truck driving from this place to that place, a lot of the drive in between is me thinking about things that might happen. And I'm a little worried about them and I'm trying to think, how can I get ahead of this? How can I make sure that this, how can I mitigate the damages or lessen the impact? How can I do all of this? Because I, like many of you, I'm afraid sometimes of what's going to happen in the future. We do that. We all do that. This is what we do. We walk around with fear of the past, fear of the present, fear of the future. And I don't want to beat up on you. I don't want to make you feel guilty. In fact, I want to do exactly the opposite. I want to share with you what the angel shared three times. Not once, not twice, but three times, the exact same words. Do not be afraid. Look at verse 10. He says, Do not be afraid for, look, I proclaim to you good news the angel says don't be afraid i've got good news for you and it's it's kind of funny it's a little comical to me that the the shepherds are standing there and the angel's like chill out i've got a i've got good news to tell you like the shepherds were afraid of bad news Uh, The shepherds weren't, all of a sudden, there's a glowing stranger in front of me, and you're not thinking, I bet he has something bad to tell me. No, they were sitting there going, I bet he's going to kill me. That's what they thought. You know, this thing is going to kill me, and the shepherds just like, hey, no, man, I got a good news. I'm going to tell something good to you. The good news literally means gospel. This is the gospel message. When you hear churches or or preachers talk about the gospel, they're talking about good news that the angels deliver right here in this moment. And besides... They're not going to kill you. The Savior is born. This is the first aspect of this good news. This is the way that Jesus, God, decides to come to the earth. It's not a horse. It's not a a, a chariot of fire. Jesus comes to earth the same way that all of us came into this earth. He was born. This is the way that God chose to do this. But you have to ask. I think that the shepherds would ask this same question. Even though that they were waiting on the Messiah, they have to ask this very same question. Great! A Savior is born. But why do we need a Savior? What is it that we are in danger of? What is the threat? What is going to get me? You know, because a few seconds ago, I thought you were going to get me. So what is the Savior that is going to save us? Where's that come from? Well, the short story is this. God made everything good, and we broke it. That's the short story. And because we broke it, and when we did that, we caused a chain reaction that ends in our death. We have no control over this. It is too big and it's too powerful. What we cause completely swallows us up like waves. Our health, our world, our community, our lives, the way our lives end are completely and totally out of our control. And all of that is the stuff that fears are made of. That everything is out of our control. When our life will end and how our life will end is out of our control our community everything feels and largely is completely out of our control and that's the stuff that fears are made of and so this baby this savior that has arrived has has come to save us from the things our fears are made of these deep underlying fears the fear of, uh, the deep fear of separation between God and man and man and people. This, this idea of living a life that is worthless and a death that is eternal. All of those sort of things that our fears are made of, Jesus came to relieve us of. That he was born. It says that a savior is born, which means, when you think about it, that the baby that the, that the, that the shepherds would see was not going to save them from anything that night. He's an infant. He's a baby. All that baby was going to do that night was cry and eat and, and be, be cuddled and cooed and all that sort of That's all that baby was going to do that night. Which means this. As we are reading the story, then you have to ask the question, okay, the Savior is going to save us, particularly the shepherds, but the rest of us as well, from all the things that our fears are made of, but he would do it Later. That something in his life, that this baby born, his life, would do it. Then you got to ask yourself, well, what did he do? He did, he sacrificed himself. He laid himself down. He lived a perfect life, and then he laid that life down to save us from the consequences of what we broke. To save us from all the things that we are afraid of. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, The fear of man is taken away immediately when we realize that the living God is among us. And for the shepherds and for us, the word Emmanuel, God, is with us, is that fear-stealing reality that God is now with us. So if you accept that, that free gift wrapped in grace, what you have been actually waiting for, you will be saved. from those consequences, from those things that we fear, this life without purpose, this death that is eternal. We will have life with God. We will have eternal life with Jesus. That if you accept that, then you'll be saved. And once that fear is gone, then what is left is joy and peace. Look at verse 10 again. Verse 10 says, Sorry. Verse 10 says, But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be to all people. And then skip down to verse 14. And this is what the angels are saying together, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people whom he favors. Joy and peace. Once the do not fear is obeyed, then joy and peace are what enters we know as Christians that, that joy and peace are the benefits of walking with God, that there's this peace, that there's, there's this still, where God and man are perfect in union, and, and God our people and people are perfect, that they're aligned The Shalom. We know that that's a benefit. The problem is that we think that that benefit only comes uh, once we're dead, that in the next life, that's when we're going to have joy and peace, but this is good news. This is great news, that it is peace on earth. That right now, in this life, we can experience shalom. We can experience that peace, that that unity, that thriving between God and people and people and people. We can experience that in Jesus, that joy. It says, to those whom he favors. And if you remember last week, that favorite is not the same as favor. It's grace. That this is a gift of grace. Joy and peace is a gift of God's grace. For those who accept who experience what Christ has accomplished in his death, when we accept that he paid that price for us, then we receive grace. We receive favor. We don't deserve it, but he gives it, and that's why he's great. Here's the point. When you get all of that fear out, out, when you get it all out of the way, what is left is peace, and that's where joy can happen. When fear is removed, what's left is peace. And that's where joy can happen. I just want you to know, as we cap out this series, three instances where an angel speaks to people, all three instances, he says, Do not be afraid. It is normal to be startled, it is human to be afraid, but it is Christian to recognize in those moments that we have a Savior who saves us from our deepest fears. And in the end, we can agree in our words and in our actions when Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, I say to you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, but after, they can do nothing more. Earlier this week, we were, we were at the dinner table and, and we're having dinner, you know, and I had just picked up a full glass of milk, right at the very, like, I hadn't taken a drink out of this glass of milk, just picked up this glass of milk when there is a sudden small, it wasn't that big, knock at the door. Just two knocks. Knock, knock. Which was fine. But what was not fine was the dog that was sitting under me decides that I probably didn't hear that do- knock on the door. And, and I use dog in the most broad sense. That cat that is shaped uh, like a dog was sitting underneath me and he goes to barking. He barks really loud and I did what you can expect that I did. I jump real fast because I hate being startled. And milk went everywhere and I was instantly mad and angry and instantly very embarrassed. And my family starts to like try not to laugh at dad. Is is he really mad? Or is he really embarrassed? They were all caught in that moment and I was caught in that moment as well. I'm still a little embarrassed about it, but you know, I'll, I'll make it there. But maybe it's a bad illustration, but what it does remind me of, or at least reminds, uh, maybe it reminds you of, is just as there was a delivery. There was something at the door, and that dog was going to tell me that something is here. Our fears tell us something. When you're afraid of things, it, it reveals something about who you are, about what you believe, about, about those sort of things. And, and, and my prayer, my hope this Christmas, that all this fear that we've had for our whole lives, but particularly since March, when we have almost become accustomed to living in fear, that all of that would remind us that there is a message here, that we have a Savior, that we don't have to be afraid. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday.